Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited today to be joined by the wonderful Kelvin Harrison Jr. to talk about his latest film, Chevalier. And I, I was interested in, in what a lot of the research for this role looked like for you, because obviously this is this is the first feature film and the first kind of biopic telling of, of a film about him for someone who was very much forgotten in history and a lot of his music was destroyed at the time. Um, and so there is material out there about him and there are details that that you know scholars have pulled together, but it's not as in-depth as it might have been once been um, or should have been. And so I was interested in what were the spaces where you found really helpful details in terms of research, but where did those gaps in terms of the available history of him um, lead you to a space of also really filling in a lot of those blanks yourself? Right, right, right. Um, I think it just started with, you know, because the, the period is so specific and because so much of his work had been erased, you have to be really particular about what you choose to read. But I went on JSTOR because <laughs> I remember that from college and like you would get all your like peer reviewed journals and stuff like that, all your academic materials from JSTOR. And I just Googled his name and typed in his name in the search engine and just started reading as many um, journals and articles and papers as possible. And then I would try to go to the sources in which that particular scholar wrote from and then see what I can gather from that. And that eventually led me to the um, Virtuoso of Sword and Bow, the Gabby Vinat book, which really kind of like chronicles most of his life. Is it out of timeline to an extent? Yes. Does it also just cover in general Paris and the music scene at that time? Yes. But I thought that information was really helpful as well, because then you start to understand the historical context in which to place Joseph once you get to a place where you don't have enough information to start to really make some concrete choices um you know you listen to the music a lot of that is just, just listening and see deciding what you hear you look up the laws of the time um and and then you start to kind of make some educated guesses <laughs> because there's only so much you know when, especially when you're building a character even when you have like you know i just finished playing martin luther king dr martin luther king jr and there's so much you know information about him you know this i can watch video footage i can and even then i think that you can only get about i want to say if you're lucky 50 percent enough information to play them with joseph you're getting like 15 to 20 percent <laughs> so then at that point you start to kind of use your imagination and steve and i decided that we thought what best represented um him in the moment was to look at characters like Jimi Hendrix or Prince, you know, if if being a, a violin player and rocking cadenzas was like rocking out a, a, a sick solo, then that's how we should envision the flamboyance and the ambiguity and the androgyny in which he kind of wants to be perceived that and the sexuality and the, you know, the intenseness about the craft. Um, and those, start, those things start to really align with what some of the tales were about who he was at the time as well. Anyway, it's a long-winded answer, but it's a lot of little pieces. <laughs> no, I, I I love all of those details. And you bring up such a great point about obviously with someone like Martin Luther King, there being video footage available, but with with Joseph, there isn't that opportunity and and kind of taking that inspiration from musicians like Prince and really thinking about the physicality. And, you know, he's he's someone who moves with such confidence and it feels like that was written about him a lot. Um, yeah. And so there's kind of this 
this really well-earned swagger to the way that he moves as a character in a lot of the film, but also the physicality changes as, as the story develops and as the scope develops as well from who he is trying to project himself into the world as, and then kind of when you strip that away. And so what, what was that journey for you of finding those two different sides of the physicality of this character? Yeah. You know, I think it was, it was, it was trying to find the confidence. And I think what I, what I immediately asked for, I was like, before I start to completely craft this, yeah, I looked at a lot of prints before getting there, but um, I wanted an etiquette coach just to see what the, what the parameters were, like, how far can I go with certain things? Like, cause you have to, you know, the etiquette coach, cause we can't touch our face because of the period, or we can't cross our arms and you, there's a lot of things that you can't use to express how you're feeling that we can all of this talking with the hand stuff. No. And so um, it was trying to find like, if I'm going to bow, how do I bow? What is it? And where do I look when I bow? And is it really, really together? Is it almost mocking them at times? You know, what, what is, where can I find his wit in the physicality? And then the walk, the, <laughs> I used to do videos of me just like, <laughs> I would put up a camera in a corner and I would just kind of walk. And so, but, and I would kind of try different versions of it because I wanted it to have a bit of a strut because, you know, and the way that he also went to like a finishing school. So there was like this, like this grooming academy where he would basically have to learn how to um, be some type of like escort type to these older women. And they would teach him how to be a gentleman, but also how to seduce them in the ways in which made them feel pleased. <laughs> and I think, you know, I wanted to include what, you know, what is that, that knowingness that you've been kind of sexualized in some ways really too early. And then also a defense mechanism and a stiffness to it where you are guarded because of the fact that you have no safe space in which to truly be yourself and be vulnerable. Um, and you've been kind of manipulated by a lot of these people. So I don't know, all those kind of things play into like, you know, how he's gonna carry himself, how he's gonna walk through a room. It almost feels like overly confident because he's a character. <laughs> I, I love all of those details. And and in, in talking about the music side of things as well, I know that, you know, I mean, your, your dad teaches classical music at, at university and is a classically trained saxophonist. Um, and so you had the fortune of being able to start your initial study of the violin with him and working several hours a day. But it's not just a case of, of picking up a violin and learning how to play it. It's also thinking about how would the character play it? How would they perform it? So once you kind of master, start mastering those basics and, and putting a lot of the pieces together, thinking again about, you know, what does it look like with this real embedded charismatic connected passion because in the scenes that we see you playing in the movie there's a lot of movement within that as well which probably wasn't as common in the time period um and so how did you go through that that training period of not just learning an instrument but really thinking about how the character would have approached it as well yeah I think that started too with, with in the beginning a lot of this stuff is so much in pre-production because it's, it's so scary though too when you're doing that <laughs> you never know really what's going to make sense when you get down the day so you kind of take a lot of educated guesses, but we hired a choreographer and we did these rehearsals where we would do these exercises of trying different positions and different, um, like there were versions of that Mozart battle where I was like, you know, 
it was really contemporary. I'm on my knees. I'm leaning back. You know, I'm like stretching out in the split, trying to play the violin. And then the question becomes like, is this realistic? One. <laughs> Two, is it necessary? And then we just kind of stripped it back from there. But I, I pulled a lot from different violinists that I, I, I found interesting as we were going, um, as we were going through the rehearsals and learning the music sometimes. And Sheku Mason was this young black cellist that I thought was really fascinating. And the whole family, they're just all talented string players. Like, and his brother Brahma is in the film as well. Um, he plays Sebastian and he's a violinist. And um, I really though pulled from Sheku's, I love the way, I love the way he he read as he played that cello. I, I just thought there was such an intimacy in a private space in which he invited us into, but also wasn't self-aware enough to, to try to perform. There was no performance in it when he really was connected. Um, and I think Joseph isn't necessarily that. Joseph is very, Joseph is a showman. <laughs> but I wanted to find moments where it's like, because Joseph's whole story is like, how do I get back home? How do I get back to community? How, get, how do I get back to a place where I feel truly connected to myself? And Sheku has that. And so if I could find moments of that and then branch it out into like giving the audience something, then I would try to fluctuate between those two things. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of rehearsal, a lot of trial and error, a lot of videoing things and sending it to the director in the studio and being like, mm, that's not it. Or them being like, we love that, you know, and then on the day you you play. Yeah. And and with what you're talking about there in terms of the the story for Joseph and the film being about getting back to that sense of self and that sense of community, so much of that comes through the the journey and the relationship with his mom in the film. And mm -hmm. at the beginning, you know, he was taken from her at such a young age. And so there's such a distance and such a space between them. And essentially for him, this is a stranger, you know, even though it's his mother. And he's very resistant because it means breaking down these walls of protectiveness that he's built for himself and not allowing himself to be vulnerable. You know, we see that scene when he's a kid where his dad is like, you need to be perfection. That's who you need to be in the world. Um, and so how did you how did you kind of find and, and navigate through that scope of taking this relationship where it's so distant at the beginning and then finding the way that those walls get broken down into the version that we then find him becoming in terms of himself and that dynamic with his mom towards the end? Um, what were the steps to get there? Mm -hmm. um, I think I think it's a lot of it's allowing a, Joseph to allow himself to be set up to really receive a harsh criticism or a harsh rejection and I, in a way that he didn't before I, I personally think that you know Joseph Joseph didn't actually want to me <laughs> in my interpretation of I didn't necessarily think that he wanted to be the director of the Paris Opera I think Joseph saw that a, a saw an imagery or heard of imagery of men playing a men playing string instruments, men playing violin, men leading concertos. And as a kid, how he perceived that was that that was the last thing I remember when I was pulled away from home. The fun, the camaraderie, the music. I want to be near the music. The music made me feel good. And if an adult tells you, well, that's the director of the Paris Opera, then you go, well, then I want to be the director of the Paris Opera. So you live your whole life trying to achieve this objective to become the director of the Paris Opera. And when you get shut down every step of the way, when you get rejected, there comes a moment where you have to kind of go, wait, wait, what am I fighting for? Why isn't this 
Why, you know what I mean? Why isn't this coming to me in the way that I expected it to come to me? Is this actually what I wanted? Is this actually what I'm supposed to be doing? And the answer really was for him is that, no, it wasn't the director of the Paris Opera that was so important. He was a revolutionary, you know what I mean? And he was here to serve his community and the people that he felt like he had abandoned and been stripped away from at such a young age. And it's about regaining those roots and that grounding in and a space to, that you can call your own at times. And that to me, so there's just little points of like, oh, well, maybe I should go and fall in love with the girl. Wait a second. That's not going to give me what I need. That's not really what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a family. Maybe I'll create my own. Well, but why isn't this working out? That's not what you're supposed to have in that moment. Or maybe I'll be, you know, I'll be the name. Everyone will see my name in lights. That's not going to get you what you want. So I think these like, rejections of relationship between the friendship with Marie Antoinette, with Josephine in that romantic relationship with Guimard and, 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 um, what's that crazy, um, um, Gluck, Gluck, <laughs> that crazy character starts to make him reassess, um, what it is that he's looking for. And then that's how I think he comes to a, a place of real, real truth. <laughs> I mean, what's what's so wonderful about everything that you're describing there is that we have the story that we're presented with on screen of someone who's very ambitious that wants to lead the Paris opera, that wants to start a family and fall in love. And then the subtext of everything underneath it, all of that means that you're communicating so wonderfully in your performance throughout. And so what are the, the challenges that come in really making sure that you're working with the scripts and working within every scene to not just kind of play what's on the page, but to play all of that, that underneath, because so much much about this film is one man's journey within himself and his journey back to himself. That's so true. That's so true. Um, I think, you know, I think it's, it's just really trying to understand the DNA of like, there's so much subtext in every scene, especially because he is um, a man of color in the 1700s. And he, you know, he, he does not have the, he does not have rights. (laughs) And I think when you're dealing with that, then every conversation between it, if it's with Montalembert, or even if it's with Marie Josephine or Marie Antoinette or whoever he's speaking to, he's having a whole separate dialogue to himself. And then, so my task to me was when I was prepping the material was always being like, all right, here's the scene, here's what they're saying. Here's what he's saying he needs. Here's what he's saying he, he he's he's scared of or excited about or what he's willing to offer to make a deal this is but this is the actual conversation he's having with himself i don't know if i trust you i actually feel really neglected and hurt by this you actually are really insecure monta lambert <laughs> you really just rather want to be hanging out with the king than actually be with your wife and there's a lot to be said about that you know what i mean it's just kind of like having a and having um, um just the subtext it's just the subtext playing into the subtext and then Allowing the subtext to kind of infiltrate itself when you're operating for your objective. And that was the thing, too. It's like if I'm sitting in in this moment and I'm like trying to present one way, sometimes the facade gets broken because you're tired. He's really tired at times or he's really angry or he's really anxious. And then kind of going, has my anxiety reached this peak to the point where I can't keep my cover, you know, and then he cracks a little bit, but then he has to pull it back together. You know, it's these little moments and the script is so tight stephanie's script is wonderful and she's done such a good job her and steven of really allowing the story to keep driving forward so we never feel him letting up off the gas but 
at the same time, there's this, there's a, there's a, you know, the very little private moments. So sometimes it was, it's a little trickier to, to, to find space to really allow the audience to see where Joseph is at that time. So then you're right. You have to kind of figure out what to, what to do with it when you're giving this like high stakes situation and then <laughs> crack and bring it back together. But yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. It, it does in, in a lot of detail. And, and also with what you're touching upon there of there being these moments where there's cracks in the facade and, and everything kind of co- does come to the surface. One of the scenes that does that really wonderfully is after he's had to attend the Paris opera, after losing out on leading it, the scene at the party afterwards where he's kind of calling everybody out in the room. And there's a lot of different dynamics at play in a scene like that. And even just the level to which you're projecting, you know, there's moments where he's saying things very loudly and he wants the entire room to hear everything. But then for example, when you go over to like Minnie Driver's character, he kind of wants to say something just to her and he doesn't care if anybody else hears it, but he doesn't need to address the whole room in that moment because it's more personal to do that. And so how did you go into a scene like that, knowing that there's all these different levels and different layers based on all these different relationship dynamics? And, and you know, because that's kind of also the culmination of just everyone who's disappointed him in the room all together mm-hmm. at one time as well. Just so that's that's what it is. Everyone's disappointed me in this room and all of you need to be punished. <laughs> that's this kind of mentality. He's like, I'm disappointed in all of you. Weeks ago, you were praising me, Chevalier, Chevalier, this, that, and the third. And now I'm just like a joke. And that's one of those confrontations that he has to kind of go, wait a second, what is this? What does this mean for me? And in that moment, I think he's dealing with, he's dealing with the question, you know? What does this mean to me? What is this? Let me interrogate every single one of you who made promises to me at one point, who brought me to this point. You've embarrassed me in front of all these people. I want everyone to know. I want to blow up your game, pretty much. You guys are running this town, making people think that you're loyal, that you care about the people, that, you know, you're genuinely interested and invested in their well-being. You're not. All you care about is yourselves. And you prove that through me. So everyone needs to know who you are, Marie Antoinette, and definitely who you are, you little snake like Gimard. And I think with Gimard, with that really tight personal moment is too, it's like, Joseph is having a hard time believing that, you know, that, you know, this word is a little bit overused now, but it feels like gaslighting, you know, they're basically like, you're crazy. You never were that great. We never really liked you that much. We always had plans, which this is the truth too. Ring Internet always had Gluck in the picture. She never was not going to have Gluck become the director of the Paris Opera. That was her way of combining her loyalties to her, her previous home in France and it was politics. It was politics. He's not privy to these politics, obviously, because he's not actually as involved. He just gets the title for vanity purposes so that the king can hear him play play a fiddle as much as he wants. And that is really just like disheartening as well. But with Gamar, he's like, I would like to know from you, you one-on-one, don't BS me. You know I'm great, don't you? And I just needed it for me. I don't need this for the people. I need I need this just because I actually trust you. I really believe in you and I value your opinion. And I want you to know that. And then she kind of blows it up in his face. She just humiliates him one more time. When really it's a little scared little boy being like, hey, y'all are all I got. And that's what's driving that scene. It's just like, y'all were all I had. And I'm hurt. I'm so hurt that I'm angry, you know? And 
Yeah, and then it's just kind of blowing up everybody's game. <laughs> I love it. It's such like wish fulfillment. Like how many people wish that they could go into a room and just be like, and you, and you, and you. <laughs> right, right. But also I never really want to be in that position because it doesn't mean something went terribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that scene as well is also such a crux in terms of it's such a pivotal changing moment for him, because if everything that I thought to be true is no longer true, then I absolutely have nothing to lose at this point. And so that really begins that journey into becoming such a revolutionary. And, you know, there's really great external details that start shifting and changing in him as a character. You know, we've seen like the really pristine kind of pale blue, like very Mm -hmm. tailored outfits, the very specific wig that he's wearing. And then that all really shifts and changes to like much looser fit, different fabrics. You know, that final performance is his hair has been braided by his mom. Um, and so did the external aspects of, of the character really help you in terms of just tracking the internal emotional journey as well throughout? Yeah, I think that was one of the first things Stephen told me that we work. I mean, it's in the script as well. Is that Well, in the script, it seems like he wears his Afro at the end. And Stephen thought it would be really, really great to see him in his in these cornrows which from his mother which you know the history behind the cornrows they we used to braid them in to give slaves roots of escape escape roots in their hair so that they knew how to escape plantations and so i thought it, we thought it would be really interesting well Stephen thought it would be really interesting to kind of have this moment of like it's some symbolizing the escape from um French society, the French aristocracy, um, and the politics of that of that time and that moment. Um, and that's what he was kind of representing. And his mom was allowing him a route to get out of there as a, as a symbol. So, but I think when you know that that's where we're going to end up, then you then you kind of go, well, how far to the other side can we start? Um, that, you know, we tried on all the different types of wigs and, you know, I, I got these shoes. There were a lot of shoes, but there were shoes that were like, honestly a size too small and my toes were constantly bleeding because they hurt so bad. But there was something about how much pain you had to endure and overcome and mind over matter that I found fascinating to wear for him. And it was the nicest shoe, I will say of all the shoes. It was the one that had the most history in it. It had just a little bit of a heel, just a little bit of sass. And to it was symbolic of like, you know, our, of, of the pain he would rather go through in order to fit in and really impress these people versus actually being comfortable in his own skin. He was not comfortable in his own skin, which is when he started to find all these other elements that mirrored his soul at that moment, his spirit felt crushed like my toes. (laughs) And so I think, you know, little things like that and just the, just find freedom in the outfit, whether it'll be buttoned or if it won't and the purple that we decided to go with to, you know, bring um, to celebrate Prince in some ways, um, all kind of helped in terms of just like, you know, really having this, I'm too good for you kind (laughs) of, kind of vibe um versus like this really laid backness and i think in the first half of the movie i really wanted to i know it's you know i remember we had a lot of conversations like this he seems too stiff and 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 in the result i think that was something we really wanted to have like you know we we kind of discussed it a lot and i was like this could be like really uncomfortable to watch and like maybe i don't know you never know when you're going too far but it's nice to almost feel like he doesn't he really is struggling to 
to communicate because he feels like a bored. You know what I mean? Because he's it. You know how when you're when you're not feeling like you're in your body, and then your muscles start to tense up, and everything just starts to feel like you know. I get a lot of massages because I hold my stress in my back, and I thought that'd be something interesting as well for him. It's just like this holding all your tension in your muscles and then kind of maneuvering around like a little bit of a Chevalier doll rather than a man. Um, and then overcompensating in the walk, you know, it's like stepping in large leaps like a giraffe or something. But um, I don't know. We try a lot of things and we see what happens. <laughs> I, I mean, with everything that you're describing there about that that journey towards the end of the film for him and and all those changes and kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier in terms of that first music performance where it's you know kind of the the violin off with Mozart it's it's a performance at the beginning that's about ambition and self and then at the end it's all about defiance and community and mm-hmm. so what were the important distinctions that you wanted to create between those two performances because in essence we're starting and ending the film with seeing him play music but in such different scopes of where he is yeah i think the thing that the first one was definitely about being the showman it was to show everyone who he was versus like the end is to share what he's learned and I think there's something really um there's an insecurity in the beginning that is masked really beautifully I think with his ability to use that violin as something to hide behind um versus like at the end I think even in his defiance with Montalembert and the Queen there's a sense of knowing as of who you are and what you want to offer, which is an opportunity of to have, be free. Everyone, we don't, we don't have to be in bondage to what they have to say. Like we all can understand what is good, what's our worth and act accordingly. And there's a confidence in the defiance versus like before Joseph would have never done it in the beginning. And him beating Mozart was more like, it's cheeky. <laughs> you know, it's a little like, just because I can and, just to stir the pot, like with no real objective other than to be messy, you know? Because when you don't have many things to play with, when you're like, well, I can't really get married and I can't really do this and no one really wants me to be director of the past opera and no one, you know what I mean? All these things I can't do, then all you can kind of do is like mess up everyone's little idea of themselves before you leave a room. (laughs) And so he was like, that keeps me entertained because I'm, he's like, I'm too smart. I'm too talented. I'm too good looking to sit here and like do nothing. I need to just stir the pot. He has purpose at the end. And that, and it's interesting because the, for most of us are so epic, but it's not as, there's something about that music that, you know, Chris, um, Michael Abels and Chris Bowers did towards the end. That is just stunning. This is such an anthem. It's such an anthem for like someone who finally has put his foot down and has a real just pulse to him. And before it was, it was just like, let me just play around with everything I've learned from my past and from my present. Let's just play. He has purpose at the end. No, I, I love that. And I remember just like being rooted in my seat at the end because of everything that it was, it was bringing in those final moments. And it's, it's such a fantastic performance. And I've really loved hearing all the details about everything that went into building it. So thank you so much, Kelvin. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks.